Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, we're taking you all back to before TCC even existed. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, but believe it or not, Emily and I used to run different businesses. (laughs) So Emily used to be a photographer and she was pretty darn good at it. And so we're doing a little interview style and we're going to throw back and we're going to talk about what it was like to run a photography business, what it was like to get clients, how to package, how to price, how to... Just get your business up and running, the gear she used, and so much more. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> well, well, I was getting to that. Just chill. <laughs> thanks so much for being on the show, Miss Emily. I'm excited to be here. Happy oh, thanks. Oh, oh, good. I'm so glad. <laughs> so let, let's go back to the beginning, just because if they don't know the story, this yeah. might seem a little bit out of context. Tell people how you got started as a photographer. Yeah, so I left a five-figure photography business to form TCC. So that's like the kind of middle ground that we're talking about here. Before that, I graduated with a degree in fine art photography, minors and a whole bunch of other stuff, and kind of went out on my own and kind of, you know, had always had the entrepreneurial spirit. So I started with a cupcake business, which you guys can hear more about that story in earlier episodes and how that was a big fat fail. Trying to apply for other jobs in the midst of a recession and it just didn't work out for me. So I picked up my camera again, this time not just shooting for school projects or for you know my own private portfolio, but for maybe a living. And so for about oh, eight to 10 months, I shot for free. I did what a lot of photographers I know do and, you know, built your portfolio and like started meeting other people. And at the end of the day, I realized I was just shooting for my family for free and that wasn't going to get me anywhere. So I definitely had to transition, but that's where my beginning photography roots in the business sense started. So how did you start? I know 
because I'm like insider. I know some <laughs> details about what it was like running that business. I know at one point you weren't charging mm-hmm. and then you started charging for clients. What mindset shift did you have to go through to finally believe in yourself enough that you knew it was worth charging for? Well, the the it wasn't necessarily a mindset shift, but more in the sense that I can't keep doing this for free. I have to make some money because other jobs weren't coming in. I wasn't happy anywhere else. And I figured if I'm going to be spending this much time shooting and editing and, and putting my presence up online, I might as well be getting paid for it. And so I shot for free for almost a year. And then I realized I had to find a client that wasn't family and that wasn't a friend and that I could feel like I could have that separation of, okay, I can charge for this thing because you're not related to me and I don't owe you anything. And this is like a real transaction with real dollar bills. And so I did that for one person. It was actually a colleague of my husband and I charged her $75. So I was going to go from working for nothing to being a shoot and burn photographer, which if anyone is familiar with that, it means you literally do the shoot, you edit, you put everything on a disc and you give that person the disc. And it's definitely a model that works for a lot of successful photographers I know, but not when you charge $75 for it. But I think I got like my first kind of taste with getting rewarded financially for what I was already been doing for free when I charged $75. But I left her house and I kind of felt worse than I had before when I was charging nothing. And I think it was because once you introduced money and it wasn't enough money and it was less than $100, I felt like she didn't value me and she didn't appreciate what all the work that I had put in. But it was really the fact that I didn't ask her to pay me any more than that. Mm-hmm. So how did you figure out exactly what you were worth or how to charge? And where did you start making that money back in future client relationships? So I've told the story a little bit before, so I'll be quick about this version. But it was literally two weeks later where I had another client come in. It was a friend of my best friend's mom. Um, she recommended me. So I was going to do a family session. And I thought, okay, like, this is my chance now. This is someone who I don't really know, who doesn't work with my husband, who's like pretty far removed, but is trusting me to to shoot her family for this. And so it was two weeks later when I had that session scheduled. And in that two weeks, I literally learned everything I could about business and being a photographer and charging and making money doing it. And I got wind of some local photographers who were making six figures being a photographer in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I was like blown away by that. And I basically read every blog post she had ever written, like downloaded every freebie she ever had and started to pay attention to people who weren't just photographers, but who were making money in client-based business work. And so I learned everything about packaging and pricing and putting stuff into packages and pulling stuff a la carte and like showing examples and like making an in-home experience. And you can definitely listen to more of that in earlier episodes, but I changed everything in two weeks. And so it was that two week client that I had when I had changed my website, made a pricing guide, ordered samples, and really just kind of changed my mindset where I was like, I have to test this to see if it's going to work. And I walked out of her house with a $1,500 check. That's crazy. (laughs) Well, I'm curious because some people are going to be in this place where they're working on a photography business and they have this passion, but the idea of even getting clients or referrals is 
something they're struggling with. And so you were already getting people telling you that your work was awesome yeah. and they were telling other people and you had this referral system kind of working for yourself. But if someone is starting from scratch, what would you tell them to work on so that they can get those referrals in the door? Well, I'm going to be totally honest for my photography business in the two-ish years, two and a half years that I was a profitable photography business, every single client that came in my door was referral-based. Not one of those was a cold client. Not one of them was there not some degree of separation from either they they knew me personally or they knew my husband or they knew a family friend or whatever, or they knew a client, you know, and the, and the line went further down. But every single person was referral-based. So I think with photography and local-based businesses like that, referrals are going to be your biggest game changer. And if you can get in front of one dreamy person, that person knows other dreamy people. So Mm -hmm. I learned from the photographer who was kind of my mentor in the early stages that if you can just get like land one person who buys a middle package from you or a high package from you, they know other people who are going to spend that amount, same amount of money. So the person who spent $1,500 with me, I made her referral incentives like super, super juicy. So I would give her a free prints or a free canvas or a free future session or whatever. It, it you know varied depending on what was happening if she were to send me people who booked. And those people had to book. And so when she's telling, you know, the moms in line at school or, you know, people who come over for dinner parties and the canvas is on her wall, that's going to be a real authentic testimony. And the feelings that she's describing to this person that she gets from looking at these pictures, that's what's going to sell them on booking me. And so I just had to give them reason to do that. And so I would offer up incentives that just varied in, in my cost, but was, ended up being really worth it. So how much did those that cost vary? Like a canvas, like mm-hmm. how much, how much did that cost your business? So I decided that the what I was giving as an incentive would vary based off how much they spent with me. So she picked, I think my middle package at that point, And because that I I would be happy if everyone bought my middle package. So it wasn't just something a la carte. It wasn't just the digital images. It wasn't just an eight by 10. So for something like that, I would give her, I always gave everyone after they booked with me a free session with me in the future because I didn't make my money off of that $200 sitting fee. I could care less how much you spent to get in my door where I'm going to make my money is sitting in your living room and telling you that you need this canvas, you need this gallery, you need this album. So I knew that's not costing me anything but my time. It's taking an hour to do the session, a couple hours to edit and then drive and do the in-home premiere. But I was going to make that back like tremendously. So everyone got a free session. On top of that, it varied from an 8x10 print or a few, which would cost me 6 to 12 cents, a canvas, which might cost me $30, a disc of images, which would cost me maybe $12. So I wasn't really spending anything more than about 50 bucks when I was giving them incentive. That seems really reasonable, but to them, they saw bigger dollar Absolutely. bills. Absolutely, because to them, for that same canvas that cost me $45 to turn around, if they were to buy it just on its own and not part of any package, easily was two to $300. The 8x10 print that cost me $0.06 cents was $45. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about creating those packages. What did you do to get that created and make them valuable, but also 
you know, something that people looked forward to and really wanted. Yeah. So I talk a lot about the psychology of packaging. I have a minor in psychology and one of my, my best friend's mom is, has her doctorate in industrial psych. And so she, she is a smart lady and knows a lot. So I leaned on her, I leaned on other resources, but it's really simple. It's not rocket science. It's us humans want what other people have. Things that are called the standard or the favorite or my best seller, a bride's favorite. Like it doesn't matter. Everyone wants what other people get. So that's one of the very easy tactics for you to pull away of what are you calling your packages. So when I consider packages, we're usually talking about three. So you have your lowest base package, a medium, and then a high. And so you're literally naming those packages in a ranking order. And that middle one is where you want to have your people gravitate towards. A, it's in the middle. So it's not the most expensive and it's not the cheapest. As humans, that's where we like to fit. We like to know that we're getting a good deal, but we also like to spend a little bit sometimes if we feel so inclined. And so that middle package is called something that's just like standard, the favorite, the top seller, that's really going to help persuade people to land there. As per value wise, I always went, I started at the smallest package first. So I asked myself, okay, if they're spending $200 in the session fee, or if not, how much do I need them to spend? So how much does this meeting, the smallest package need to be in order for me to make my minimum amount per session? And I decided at that point, I absolutely needed 100% to make $900 with every single person that came in my door, at least $900. So if you're taking $200 at the session fee, they need to spend $700 with you in that in-home premiere. So my lowest package started at $700. Now, as a photographer, you know that digital images, digital files are like the most highly coveted items from any person who ever gets a session. I could talk to you about why that's baloney all day long, but it doesn't matter. People want to have those digital images. They want to be able to do stuff with them, even if they never do anything with them. So I would not include the highly coveted item in my smallest package. So I would put it in the middle package and I would make the jump from the smallest package to the middle package, just like a no brainer, like holy moly, she threw in the digital images and we get a bigger canvas or we get an additional canvas and we get the free session and we get all of this other stuff. And it's only, you know, $400 more. Like it's just an insane amount of like up in value, but they're spending so much more with me now. That's awesome. So if you were creating those packages and like you had them all laid out, it like looking back, any is there anything about that process or your referral process or even just like the business in general, anything that you would have done differently now that you have the knowledge that you do? Yeah, I think in regards to packaging, I toyed around with what was included in packages often. And I was, so I was reprinting that guide over and over again. I was changing the page on my website. And I think going back on it now, I would really like, I would test the packages with my first couple of people. And then I would just freaking make a decision. I would changing stuff from, okay, now you get magnets or now you get an iPhone cover, or now you get this accordion album plus like this little calendar with pictures of your families. 
And it just kind of got overwhelming, even though they were already packaged up and the decision was made for them. If they didn't have an iPhone, then they didn't see the value in getting an iPhone case because my supplier didn't sell any other types of cases at that point. Now I'm sure they do. So I think it's really paying attention to like, okay, what makes sense for the masses? Like just because it sounds cool to me to have magnets or iPhone cases, it doesn't mean that that's going to be valuable to them. So knowing what that is a lot sooner rather than later. And then with the referral program, like it worked for me, obviously every single person who came in the door was referral, but I think having a better process in the touch points of who are you planning on reaching out to? Can I have their contact information now? Like I would love to hand deliver this you know, coupon for the person who you think would be a good session for me, having a better like follow through with that. So I could close even more of those referrals. Awesome. Okay. So if someone is at the beginning stages or well, regardless of where they're at, really, if they haven't necessarily found their corner of the photography niche, like Mm they, you know, maybe they still do infant sessions and senior sessions and family sessions and weddings and they do all of it yeah and like how can someone really narrow down the type of photography they're offering and is there a process they should go through to really figure out what's good for them yeah I think every photographer a wants to start out offering all the sessions because you, for one, you think that you're going to get more people in your door because you're offering all of these different types of sessions. But especially in the beginning, you don't really know what kind of sessions you like doing. You know that weddings can be lucrative, but they're also like really killer on your feet and your back and your weekends and all of that stuff. Newborn sessions are really fun and you can generally do them in your house, but they're really sweaty and they're time consuming and like it, everything is just so fragile and so different. And there's a bigger editing process with that. Families are fun, but you have more people that you're wrangling. So everyone has their like pros and cons, right? So I suggest like in your first couple months and six months, maybe not advertise that you do all of those kind of sessions, but don't necessarily say no to all of them that are getting referred to you or coming your way. Because I do want you to get your feet wet. I do want you to shoot a wedding. I do want you to shoot a newborn. I do want you to try those things because without doing them, you don't know if you like them. The flip side of that is, don't go out and buy equipment for those different niche types of photo sessions if you're not sure that you're going to want to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. So for instance, I shot one wedding, only one wedding ever because I hated it. Before that wedding, I could have bought like flashlights and studio pop-up umbrellas and like a, a different lens and a body bag to carry the lens, like all of this different stuff to make that one day easier. But I was not sure at the end of that day if I was going to keep doing weddings. And I'm so glad that I did not invest in that stuff because it is outrageously expensive. And I took down weddings and took down all of those images, no matter how beautiful they ended up being off of my website because I didn't want to venture down. So at first, yes, I would say yes to the different sessions coming through so you can try it out. But once you commit and once you're like, hey, I'm really freaking good at this kind of session, only advertise that kind of session. You're going, if you hate doing seniors, do not advertise that you will do seniors. Like I did them a couple times and I just absolutely hated working with 17 and 18 year olds. So I took it down from my site. Anyone who was like, hey, my you know cousin's going to graduate. Do you want to shoot it? Absolutely not because it's not going to bring me joy. I don't like doing it. I'm going to resent it. And I'm at the point now where I know that. What did you do with those images? Like 
it's so hard. Like, how do you not offend the people that were in the niche that you ended up ignoring or you ended up not using? Like, is there a way to navigate that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I did it a couple ways where a, I'm like the least concerned about offending. So I honestly didn't even really think about that, but at the end of the day, it's your business and you have to have it represented in the way that you want. But there are a couple different ways I'm looking back now of how I kind of navigated that. So I absolutely, if I'm not going to do weddings anymore, those are just not going to be on my website. They're just not. It's not going to say a weddings tab. It's not going to have the gallery. If there are any pictures from the wedding that don't look like a wedding that you can put on there, that maybe you're you're going to offer stylized sessions. So maybe you're still going to put the shots of the cake or the shots of the decorations because you do want to, you know, be a photographer for stylized controlled sessions that aren't weddings. You can leave those on there. Engagements, you might be able to leave some of the like ring shots and stuff like that. But take down anything that looks like a wedding. In order to still respect those people and the fact that they everyone loves to see their images online, I still share that stuff on Instagram or Facebook. Now, the caption would be something like, shot this wedding for my close friends, even though it's not something I offer, but like, look how beautiful this picture is. Or like, had such a fun time trying out shooting this tiny baby in the office. Like, oh my gosh, you newborn pros, like you're really good. Here are a couple of my friends that are better at it. Like showing it because they, everyone wants to see their pictures online, but making it very clear that like, I'm just showing you this to kind of show off this family and that I am talented, but I don't really want you contacting me for it. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get it's set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. So I also know, just because <laughs> you know, I, I know things, <laughs> I hear that you are less worried about your talents uh-huh. and more worried about your experience. Absolutely. And when I say experience, I specifically mean your client experience mm-hmm. so you could charge more. Yep. Yep. So what does that mean and how can people take advantage of what I just said? (laughs) So, A, I will be the first to admit that when I was uh, learning from this mentor, there were obviously other photographers who were learning from her at the same time. So we, there was like a group of like 20 or 30 of us kind of going all through this at the same time. And there were at least three to five other photographers in that group who were in our same town who were way more talented than I was, like their shooting skills were on point. Their editing was impeccable. Like their Photoshop skill. I didn't even edit in Photoshop. And here they were like knowing how to do all of this stuff in Photoshop. I mean, it was amazing. They could do head swapping, like freaking phenomenal what they could do, but they were making less money than me. They had less clients than me, or they had more clients than me and they were making less money than me. And I realized it came down to literally what I was pricing, how I was packaging everything, and how I was convincing people of the value of what I was offering for them. And so that really comes down to the in-home session premiere. And we talk about that. I think it's in episode two. So you guys can listen back. Like literally, I walk you through everything I did in the in-home session. But it was truly about creating that experience. And I, I realized early on, and this is one of those lessons that I'm really glad that I learned it as early as I did. It prevented me from investing in lenses that I didn't need. It prevented me from investing in presets in Lightroom or Photoshop that I didn't need because I wasn't going to learn that immaculate type of editing skill. It prevented me from spending hours in front of my computer immaculately editing because I wasn't that type of photographer. And it really freed me in, in accepting that I wanted to be lifestyle and I wanted to show it more raw and more real, which gave me the freedom to spend less time editing and spend less time putting their stuff together because I wanted to create memories and milestones for them in their life. And I talked about that and I portrayed that in my website and in my lingo and on my blog and especially in that in-home premiere. And so they got that and, and they bought more into how it was making them feel instead of what I was giving them. Hmm. 
That's, I mean. And, like, the pictures weren't, it's not like they're blurry or grainy or crap. No. But, like, even sometimes the color, like, even looking back on it now, I'm like, oh, that coloring was off. Or, oh, you know, that angle could have been done better. Or, oh, like, that part was blurry. Like, literally, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like, my hustle and my drive for making this a successful and profitable business was bigger than my talent. And that honestly, at the end of the day is what matters. It doesn't matter what business that you're in. I really want you guys to stop focusing on perfecting your craft so much Mm -hmm. that you're ignoring building a business. Yeah. So talk to me about the business thing. Cause I think a lot of people, I mean, regardless of if you're listening to this and you're not a photographer, if you've gotten this far and you're not a photographer, like <laughs> thanks for sticking around. Thanks for sticking around. <laughs> but I think anyone in any type of business needs to hear this piece. Why is it so crucially important to spend less time getting better at your craft and spend more time getting better at business? Well, because being a better photographer or baking better cakes or doing better at calligraphy isn't going to get you anywhere. You have to put that business hat on. You have to take that creative hat off every once in a while and really take a good hard look at how is your business even set up? What are the foundations? How are you going to get people in your door? Are you making enough money to cover your expenses even, let alone making a profit? Like Mm -hmm. so few people look at that stuff. And obviously it's why we're in the business that we're in now because we're Mm -hmm. clearly so passionate about it. But I have seen so, especially for photographers. And I know, you know, in your business before we started with branding and design and website, a lot of the people fall into that same trap of, just charging nothing while you're building your portfolio and it breaks my heart. And I've been like, I did that and I know what that feels like, but you just have to like give yourself permission to get paid what you deserve, not what you're worth, but what you deserve. You can think about your own worth in a different context and a different conversation, maybe get a coach, maybe get a therapist to work on your worth but charge at least what you freaking need to live and pay your bills and provide for your family or yourself. Yeah. Oh, so true. So true. I think so many people just don't even consider that they need to account for that. They just, you know, I literally had this conversation with my husband last night. He asked me, how much would you charge for a trifold brochure? And I was like, I don't do design. (laughs) And he was like, I know I'm not asking you. Someone else at work was asking about their wife and they said she was starting this business. And I said, it doesn't matter Uh what I charge. Uh It doesn't matter how much time it would have taken me to do this project. Ultimately, it comes down to what they need and what the value goes on in their house and their family Mm -hmm. and like, you know, he was saying that she was spending so much time on projects, she'd end up only making like $5 an hour. Oh my gosh. And it's like, she's a professional woman and she's raising children. And like, there's no way they can afford to have her making $5 an hour. I mean, I did the math when I was, you know, doing the $75 and doing free sessions and, and doing that for a hot minute of holy crap, I could literally be making more working at like Starbucks, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, wherever. It doesn't matter. And if I'm going to sit here and have control 
over my day to day and my lifestyle mm-hmm. and when I have to get up and how many clients I say yes to and what my brand looks like, I get c- to control all of that. Why don't I also control like how much money I'm making and just ask for it? So many people are just not asking for it. You hunker down in your studio or behind the computer or you go take classes and lesson. I'm not saying don't learn. Like yes. we still oh. buy programs to learn yes. and get better at our business. That's not what I'm saying at all. But you focus so much on like, okay, but this isn't ready yet. And this skill is not ready yet that you think that all of a sudden when it is like, okay, I can do this certain type of calligraphy, or now I can shoot with this lens, or now I can edit this way on, on Photoshop. Okay. Now that I can do this, Oh, all of a sudden, all the clients are going to be here and I'm going to get to charge this much. They don't give a shit that you can swap heads on Photoshop. Like they don't care. What are you giving them? How are you making them feel? What are you changing in their lives? Because it's essentially a tactic. Like, yeah. It's like you're you're trying this one thing and you think it's going to solve all the problems you have in your business. <laughs> and it's, it's not. It's and, not. And that's the wake up call that I know a lot of you are going to have. And it's like, well, if I get new gear, or yeah. if I upgrade, if my I way. change the logo on my website, if I change from fuchsia to blush pink, like that's going to make the big difference. And it's not going to be the thing. Like literally, I'm not going to lie. The logo on our website, I think I made it in 10 minutes, two years ago. Uh-huh. And we still use it. And it serves its purpose. I'm not even sure I bought the font. <laughs> We'll edit that part out. (laughs) (laughs) But so talk to us a little bit about how you actually got paid. How do you collect money from dollar dollar bills, y'all? So some people wrote me checks in the beginning. And then I was like, "Eh, I don't really want to do checks. I, you know, take the picture in, in the driveway and deposit that shit for sure. But I started using just the square card reader and I loved it. It was super easy. You can now use it um, way back in the day when I had it, you had to be on Wi-Fi, but now you don't have to be on Wi-Fi. But that enabled me to collect their email, collect more information about them to where if I wanted to talk to them further and outside of that, I could. Now, did I utilize that like I should have? Probably not. But I, I, it, it's really easy for people. It saves their card information. I also use a system called Moon Clerk where I recognized that I was a premium photographer. I was not the cheapest in town. And sometimes you can't drop two grand in one evening with me or even $500. And so Moon Clerk let me set up where I was able to take the initial payment on my phone there. And then I could input their information inside Moon Clerk and it partnered with Squarespace to where I could automatically bill them, charge their account for three months or six months or whatever the payment plan was. So I wasn't having to like type in their info every time or call them or send them an invoice. And that was super helpful. It took, you know, a little bit extra off the percent in addition to like what Stripe takes off or Square Reader takes off. But to me, the ease of not having to bring up the money conversation for six months, that was well worth it. Well, and I think what you were doing was charging in the field. My suggestion to you as an outsider would be that you collect payment 
before you even get there in some scenarios. Obviously, for the in-person premieres, that wasn't possible. So I sent them a PayPal invoice for their session fee. And so that had to be paid before I even blocked it on my calendar. Gotcha. And so that was paid in full. And like, if you cancel, you lost it. Like that was literally the fee for me to book you on my Google calendar. And then when we were in home, I brought my square reader and I still accepted checks at that point. And then we did the whole payment plan thing um, when we were at the house. But a lot of people, honestly, like they would, cause I would require a 40% deposit because I want to make sure my costs are covered for when I order their stuff and it's in. So some people, depending on how much they ordered and like what they would get some of their order or all of it, even before they were paid in full, because it gets them excited and they like to see that stuff, but I still have their card information. I still have all of that. So they might get a piece of it before everything is, is finished mm-hmm. because then like they're excited to literally bring people over to their house to show off their new gallery wall or show off whatever. And that gets me more clients. Now I don't necessarily know the answer to this, Ooh, but something you don't know. No, it's true. <laughs> but if you used Dubsado or a system like Honey, book and to collect the initial payment I'm wondering if you could like hack not hack anything but like literally say okay I already have their client information I think you can I'm going to charge you for blah 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 and not even like make it so premium that they don't even have to get out their credit card at the session and you can just be like awesome I got you you. like I'm just gonna put it in and then you just you just get in your car and you go, bloop, 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 yep. and it's done. I absolutely think that, that that could definitely be a way now that Dubsado is is a thing. <laughs> it wasn't back then. That's true. <laughs> we worked back in the day. Back in the day of like 2011. 2011. <laughs> <laughs> so, Technology happened so fast. Uh, it, honestly, though, really? some of the stuff you all have today, I I, I'd be so jealous. <laughs> No, but seriously, you guys have it easy. (laughs) So let's talk about, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's focus on clients, a little more focus on the actual gear. What, what cameras do you recommend? What equipment do you recommend? What should people start out with? What do you think is like unnecessary at first, Mm -hmm. but people should work up to? Yeah, so this kind of falls into a couple different categories. A, if you're just wanting a better camera in general and you're not planning on having a photography career or even if you're just shooting product images and like they're just your product images and you just need a better camera, I suggest a DSLR. You don't have to get a full frame. So you can get a Canon or a Nikon. They do the same thing. I personally have a Nikon. I grew up on Nikons. I just love them. I know, rivalries. But if you're not going to sell your prints as canvas or on a digital format or whatever, you don't need full frame. What a non-full frame camera or like crop sensor is going to do is literally going to crop your image automatically for you. So you don't get to control every aspect. I'm a control freak. I will own a full frame camera until the day that I die, even if I'm not printing the images on a canvas because that's just how I work. But I personally use a Nikon D600. It's amazing. My go-to lens that I literally never take off is a Nikon 20 470. I use it for indoor shots for our flat lays for when I did product photography in the studio, when I shoot families, when I shoot my daughter, everything. It it zooms in and out beautifully with my 50. I also have a nifty 50. It's a fixed lens, so it's a prime lens, meaning it can't zoom in or out. You have to just stand so far back. It gives you beautiful, beautiful bokeh or what 
non-photographers like that smooth beautiful background like where everything's blurred and just your subject is in crisp focus it does that phenomenally but you have to like step really far back I also have a fisheye which I use for real estate photography um, my dad's a realtor so that's something that I help him out with that's just something I honestly just got for fun and I don't use that that often but when I do bust it out it's a really good lens and I like it awesome so three lenses that's it what about like if you're even further back, <laughs> like if you're not a fancy DSLR yeah. and you just want like a good, you know, camera to have around. I know you have like one that has selfie mode on well, it. Well, here's the sad thing. I would love to recommend this camera, but they just stopped me. <gasps> oh, no. I know. And I have yet, I have been trying for about three months to find the replacement because I, I couldn't recommend this camera anymore. It's a Samsung NX something or another, NX100. It's like amazing, NX3300. They just literally don't make it anymore. But the feature that it has that you guys can look for is what's literally called selfie mode. So the back of the screen will lift up and so you can aim the camera to yourself. So you know how when you're on your iPhone and you turn it to selfie mode, it's using the front part of that camera? Well, that camera on your iPhone isn't as high as quality as the back camera on your iPhone. Well, what selfie mode does is change the direction of the screen. So you're using the front lens still, which is a higher quality lens. And it has a self timer. I like stack it on some books and I press the timer and I like pose and it's like really good for like hand shots, like on the laptop or keyboard for work and for family shots because you can make the timer go even longer. So that's the feature you want to look for. Um, it's also a full frame digital point and shoot, which is crazy. And it's Wi-Fi connected, meaning I can get it to my phone like in seconds and edit it and quickly get it out. And it also can go up to like 3300 ISO, which only photographers are going to get that. But for a digital, like handheld point and shoot, it is really, really high and incredible. So, but they don't make it anymore. When are they going to figure this out? I know. They better figure it out before I decide to get pregnant or I'm going to be really <laughs> upset because I will sell my camera to anyone for $10,000. <laughs> yeah, of course you would. You will find a replacement for $10,000. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. So before we wrap it up, I really want to talk about, like, go back to price for a minute mm -hmm. and talk about why you never want to compete on price yeah. and why it's okay to not be the cheapest mm -hmm. option in town. Because I'm pretty sure y'all aren't trying to be the most expensive option in town. That's <laughs> I know my audience well enough to know that. So how, how did you combat that mentality yeah. of like, I know, well, I know so-and-so charges $50 okay. for this. Like, how, how do you get around that in your head? Well, just like really with anything else in my personal life, I like to stick in the happy medium. Like I don't ever want to be the most expensive and I don't ever want to be the cheapest in town. I don't want to be the most expensive because I don't want to live up to those expectations. I know I'm not going to spend 20 hours editing your images. I'm not going to head swap. I'm not going to iron out your wrinkles or make you 30 pounds lighter. I'm just not going to do that. So I'm not going to charge you like I'm going to do that. But I also don't want to be the cheapest in the sense that I I value photography so much and what it can do in your family and what it can do in your household. And I could tout studies all day long that talk about the increased confidence and self-esteem in kids who are raised in homes with pictures of themselves and their family on the walls all day long. The bottom line is I wanted to provide more for my clients, so I knew I needed to be compensated for that. 
I, one of the best things that I, you know, came to realize after a while, and I, I hope that all of you get to be in this area if you so choose to, you know how when you recommend other people, and it generally starts with like, okay, this thing is super cheap, but okay, like it's really inexpensive, but, and so then they have to kind of like make up for it, right? Well, my referral was, okay, she's really expensive, but, and then it was filled with all of these amazing stories of I made them cry in their session or I was there at 3 a.m. when they were giving birth in the hospital or I was the one to tell their family that, you know, one of the babies had to go to the NICU and that landed on me or I, you know, helped this family like literally bounce back from a divorce like after a big family session. Like I helped do all of that. That's the impact of what photography can do and for having someone who believes in you and in your family so much So it starts with, okay, she's expensive, but all of those other things. And I want that for you too, no matter what your industry is. So I want you to focus on all of the other things where you're not focusing on price. You're not focusing on, you know, offering flash sales and promos to get more people in the door, but you're adding value and you're adding touch points and you're adding feel. Well, on that (laughs) note, I think we should get into a little bit of talk strategy to me. Yeah. So tell me, if I'm in this photography world, what are five things I can do this week to up the value, Yeah. but not necessarily change what it costs my business to run? Absolutely. So the first thing I would do is if you don't have packages, make some damn packages. Get your stuff grouped up into three packages. Don't spend a ton of time naming them. Use the advice I told you. Just pick simple, easy to understand names. Add value. Price that bottom package as your absolute minimum amount that you want to make. If everyone only chooses your lowest package, you're still happy and you're still making the amount of money that you have to make. Once you create those packages, I want you to pull some of the items that are inside that package and pull them out into a la carte. You might think that, okay, if I have this all a cart, then someone's just going to buy an 8x10 or someone's just going to buy a disc. But what that does is it showcases the value of your packages even further. So if you're including your disc in your package number two, your middle package, and they can see the value and there's all of this other stuff that they might not know that they need yet and they think that they just want the disc, if they go to just buy the disc, it could easily be half the price of that middle package. So that's like one and then one point. So my second step is I want you to create some sort of pricing guide for your people. So I want you to talk about why you go beyond the disc. Why do you love canvases or albums or accordions or whatever it is that you're offering? Why do you shoot in the golden hour or not? Why do you edit the way that you do? Why do you shoot lifestyle versus pose? Why do you shoot newborns and not toddlers? Like whatever it is that makes you unique, talking about that so they can be even more confident in what you're offering and what you're doing. And that really is where you can lay the parameters of what it's like to work with you, what your process is like, what the next steps are so they can feel even more confident in investing with you. And then the third thing is create some sort of referral system. So look at the people coming in your door. Look at the people. I want you this week to create those packages. And then I want you to go sell it to someone. And the first person that buys that middle package, that is your dreamy client. They know other dreamy clients. So have a referral system decided this week. What are you going to give them to refer more more people to you? Make little coupons, make little cards, type something up. It doesn't matter, but just get it in their hands so they can deliver it to the other people and start getting more dreamies in your door. 
Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.